Hello and welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, sponsored by the Hampton in Waco. This is episode eight of our nine for Title IX series, featuring Georgia Tech women's basketball coach and Texas Sports Hall of Fame inductee, Nell Fortner. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. This is episode eight of our Nine for Title IX series, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX, which was signed into law on June 23rd, 1972. You can learn more about Title IX itself in episode 22 of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, entitled A Brief History of of Title IX in Texas. With us on this episode, we have Nell Fortner, currently the head coach of Georgia Tech's women's basketball team. Coach Fortner was inducted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 2018. She attended New Braunfels High School and was an outstanding athlete during her time there. She received an athletic scholarship at the University of Texas where she played both basketball and volleyball. She moved on to coaching after her playing days finished, and before Georgia Tech, she served as head coach at Purdue and Auburn. She also coached the WNBA's Indiana Fever, and most triumphantly, she coached Team USA to a gold medal in the 2000 Summer Olympics. Nell Fortner has also worked as a broadcast analyst for ESPN. Coach Fortner, thank you so much for celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX with us. You went to high school in New Braunfels, Texas, right around the time when Title IX had passed. What sports were available to you at that time? New Braunfels was already doing some things in girls' athletics, but I was in the 10th grade. And when I moved there from Mississippi, I started playing volleyball. And the next year, they got basketball. And then I got a scholarship to the University of Texas. So I was really fortunate to move to Texas when I did. And did you have any other college choices besides Texas that offered you a scholarship? Or was uh, why, why did you choose yeah. Texas? Yeah, I did. Um, Stephen F. Austin was a real women's basketball power at that time. They had really invested in women's basketball earlier than most, like Louisiana Tech did and Immaculata, Delta State. There were several schools across the country, colleges, that really invested early in women's basketball, even before Title IX. So Stephen F. Austin was kind of on the forefront of one of those early powerhouse women's basketball programs collegiately. Sue Gunner was the head coach there, and, and they recruited me. Texas Tech recruited me. Texas um, Texas Lutheran and Seguin, TLC, was a real powerhouse for women's volleyball. And so they recruited me in volleyball. Um, so, yeah, not, not as many choices, but when I went and met Jody Conrad at the University of Texas, I knew that was it. I wanted. I was so impressed with her and enjoyed my visit there that that's where I chose to go. And she was her second year as a basketball coach, your freshman year. That's right. That's right. And she was coaching both volleyball and basketball. Isn't that crazy? 
on the collegiate level, you're coaching volleyball and basketball. Did she recruit you for both sports then? She did, yes. I could have chosen to play just one, but I wanted to play both. And fortunately, I could choose that or choose one of them or play both. And then I chose both. And then after my sophomore year, I just focused on basketball only because it was hard to play two sports like that. Right. That's amazing to think about because now it's very rare to have players playing two different sports at the Division One level. And just a quick note for all of you listeners, Coach Jody Conrad shared some fascinating stories about her coaching and playing career in episode 19 of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. And I highly recommend that episode to all of you. So, Coach Fortner, you mentioned that you gave up playing volleyball to focus solely on basketball. So I'm wondering if you were on the 1981 Texas volleyball team that won the national championship. I was. Uh-huh, I was, because after I finished my eligibility for basketball, I came back my fifth year. I had two more years of eligibility in volleyball. So I came back that fifth year and played volleyball, and we won that 81 national championship. Okay, so you were a part of that then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and at that time it was the AIAW. That's right. 1981 was the last year for AIAW to have national championships to run their national championships. And actually, Michael, in that year, it was like 50-50 across the country. 50% were still with the AIAW and 50% had moved on into the NCAA because they were just starting to take over for women women's sports. So those championships were split that year. And we happened to win the last AIAW volleyball championship. What was that like for you as a student athlete? And what was what was the tournament like? Just a great experience. I mean, we had a really good team. McKaylee was our coach, and he did a phenomenal job training us and coaching us and we went to Tallahassee, Florida and played that tournament at Florida State, played Utah State in the finals. It was just a phenomenal experience. It was so much fun. And you played under Coach Conrad both for volleyball but you know of course she's most known for basketball. What was it like for you to play under her and what, what did you learn from her as a coach that you pass on now? I really enjoyed playing for her. She was highly competitive, a highly competitive coach, and was an excellent coach, a really good motivator, and really did a phenomenal job from the beginning to end of her career. I think um, anyone who played for her was fortunate to have that opportunity. She just had a way about her that was, she was very classy. She was very straight to the point, um, motivational, you know, worked worked us hard and was highly competitive. So uh, all of those things kind of rub off on you. I was already competitive. I, I love the sport anyway, but all of those things rub off on you. But I think one of the things I learned from her that outside of the sport was just how to carry yourself day in and day out in a very professional manner, in a very classy manner. She was so incredibly well-spoken, still is to this day. And those are things, little things that I picked up from her that 
you know, I tried to emulate, and I just feel fortunate to have played for her. And you were at the very beginning of the um, yeah. UT Women's Program. How is it different than, what were some, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it, it, was, it was very different. It's just night and day. It's night and day from then to now. You know, just little things like this. Back when, when I was playing, I mean, we were, we were just so excited to get a uh, new pair of shoes, you know, um, new practice gear, um, a pair of socks. I mean, and everything was just, we appreciated it so much because this was new. It wasn't like we were, this, this wasn't our normal life. You know, normally we bought our shoes and our socks and our practice gear. All the little things were just so exciting and new for us. Kids today, I mean, they get, you know, four practice uniforms and four game uniforms and 15 pair of shoes, <laughs> you know. If I, you know, they travel on charter flights. They, you know, the, the differences are just, enormous from when I played to now and I, and I mean I'm just I'm grateful for it but there is no comparison from then when I've played and now there's just zero comparison other than you're playing the sport itself that's the same thing and speaking of playing the sport I looked at one of the couple of the schedules I mean, you guys were playing you know three games over three days sometimes yeah the the schedules yeah, were play- a lot more compacted Oh, definitely. We played a lot more games, too. I mean, you know, there were 40-game seasons, and so we, we did play more games, more tournaments, it seemed like, and so you would play a lot of back-to-back. Didn't think anything of it, because, you, you know, you just want to play. You know, when we would travel, we would, we would travel in vans and stay in motels and be four in a room and eat at McDonald's, you know. <laughs> I mean, those are, you know, that would never happen today. I mean, but we didn't think, again, I go back to we didn't think anything of it because we were just happy to be able to be playing. We were on a team. We were in college playing college basketball. It was just phenomenal. Um, but but no no similarities today. And I noticed you guys, um, you guys made the NIT one year. Yes. What was that was in Amarillo, Texas. Oh, it was in Amarillo. Yeah, that was in Amarillo. So all the teams came there to compete. I think that was my sophomore year, and we in, we played Old Dominion there, and that's when Nancy Lieberman and Ann Donovan, they had the great team. And then we played Louisiana Tech there, and they were so strong and powerful. That was a phenomenal experience. Those were excellent teams, really, really strong powerhouse teams, and we were becoming that. You know, we were, Jody was really doing a good job recruiting, and we were becoming that. So that was a big year for us because the next year, my junior year, we were extremely strong. We were ranked number one in the country for many weeks, and we had a real powerful team. So we were working our way up to trying to do great things. When we return, we'll hear more from Coach Nell Fortner's time at the University of Texas and her remarkable coaching career on our Nine for Title IX series, celebrating 50 years of Title IX on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Hampton in Waco. Hi, this is Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman, and I listen to the Texas Hall of Fame podcast. And if you're not listening to it, you're missing out. 
When you come to Waco, be sure to stay at the Hampton Inn Waco, located just a short distance from the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. You'll start your day off with a delicious complimentary breakfast, and you'll enjoy the Hampton Inn Waco's free Wi-Fi, fitness center, and pool. Next time you bring your team to Waco, make the Hampton Inn Waco your home court on the road. Welcome back to our Nine for Title IX series featuring Nell Fortner on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast presented by the Hampton in Waco. Don't forget to follow the Texas Sports Hall of Fame on its social media channels on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Coach Fortner, you pointed out that Texas women's basketball was working toward building a tremendous program while you were there. One particular person doing great things in the athletic department at that time was Donna Lopiano, the University of Texas women's athletic director during that period. She will be on the Nine for Title IX series next week to conclude the series. She accomplished so much while she was there. Would you please talk about her a little bit? Donna was just so ahead of her time when it came to pushing for the rights for females to have equal rights in, in athletics, be it high school, grassroots, college, whatever. I mean, she was in the forefront of pushing for Title IX and for the, for the rights of females to have equal opportunity. I'll be forever grateful to have been in her presence in my five years at the University of Texas. And she continues to do things today, still pushing the envelope to continue for gender equity because we're not there yet. We're in a much better place, but we're not there yet. We're not on equal footing as men are, as what the men receive. She was, talk about competitive, you know, she was a phenomenal fast pitch softball player. She could pitch, she was a great pitcher. But she would also come to practice every now and then. I remember my freshman year, she would come to practice and Jody would let her practice with us. And I swear she would just beat me up, man. Just, I mean, and she just, I guess she was trying to toughen me up because I was just a little titty baby freshman. And so she would always just, I'm guarding now. <laughs> like, oh my God. Anyway, but really just, she set a great example of what a strong professional female looks like in the collegiate world of athletics and really fighting for more equality for female athletes. And i um, extremely impressive to be around her, to listen to her speak, and to continue to follow her to this day as she pushes the envelope to further our rights in athletics. And, and she was a great basketball player on top of it, it turns out. She was. She was. <laughs> but she was. She was just so competitive. She was just tough. You know, she's from the East you know, the Northeast, and she didn't, you know, she didn't mess around. She was highly competitive. So she, I think she thought she could play everything at the highest level because she was a phenomenal softball player. Um, but, yeah, she could play basketball, and I'm sure she could play several other sports too. But, yeah, I'll never forget her uh, just, just wanting to beat me up all the time. <laughs> and, and I think Jody told her, too, to toughen me up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Now, you, now you did mention Title IX in that answer and how she advocated for it. When when did you become aware of Title IX and, and what it meant? Was that during your college, during your high school? You know, really, truly, Michael, I was I wasn't on top of all that. I was just a kid. The one thing I can just remember is being so happy to be able to play and compete. I thought everybody, I thought this was just the way it was. I did not know the history and, and all the tremendous hard work it took to get to just my era of collegiate athletics because I thought I was on top of the world with what we were doing and what we were given and how we were uh, being able to practice and compete. I thought that that was how it always was. But obviously it wasn't. And as I grew older and, and the picture became more clear, I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, especially now, today, as we still fight for gender equity. You know, we had very little compared to what the men had and had for 50, 100 years. And here we were, a bunch of young women, extremely happy for what we got. Never really understanding what it could be. Now, obviously, we understand what it can be, and we, we want to continue fighting for it to be even better. And after uh, after college, you, your first job was at Colleen High School. Had how how yes. different was how much had the girls' high school game grown since you had played? Oh gosh, it's so much stronger now. Um, so many more young girls are participating now. the The effort made at the grassroots level level just. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, has really paid dividends to where our sport is today. Um, not only that, the grassroots, the WNBA is coming to existence, so now you can earn a living by being a professional basketball player. That's been phenomenal. So just all of the opportunities that are out there now for females who play sports at the collegiate level, I mean, you can have a career as a broadcaster, a career as a producer, a career as an athlete, a career as a coach, a professional coach. There's just so many more opportunities that have come our way as women because of Title IX. It's extremely exciting, and there's so much farther to go. I mean, we still have a lot of work to do to continue to open up doors and opportunities. So many more opportunities. and. Your career really illustrates that. And one exceptional part of your career was having the opportunity to coach Team USA. Yeah, so that was a phenomenal experience, and I'll cherish it forever. To coach the best players in the world here in your home country and to compete against the best players in the world from countries around the world was just a phenomenal experience. It came early in my career. I, I truly believe that I would be the Olympic coach one day, and that I manifested that in 1991 uh, with a friend of mine. I said she asked me. She goes, "What do you want to? What do you want to be?" And I went, "I want to be the Olympic coach." And she goes, "You can't be the Olympic coach." I went, "Why not? Somebody has to be the Olympic coach." Then in, nine years later, I'm the Olympic coach. I mean, I'm like, "Oh my God! How does that happen?" I was at Purdue at the time I was asked to be the national team coach, and I loved my job at Purdue, but I couldn't turn down the opportunity to be the national USA Basketball national team coach. So I worked that position for three years, and we won the gold medal, and, and I'm extremely proud of that. Yeah, and you had a tremendous team. Lisa Leslie, Don Staley, yes. Teresa Edwards, Cheryl Swoops. Katie Smith, 
Natalie Williams, Yolanda Griffith. It was ridiculous. And they, they were really at the prime of their careers. So they were playing some of their best basketball. It was hard for anyone in the country to compete with us at that time. Australia was the number two team in the world at the time. And the big, you know, the, the most stressful thing was, you know, we were going to have to play for the gold medal on their home court in Sydney. So it was a packed arena and, and everybody's yelling for Australia, but we played extremely well and won that gold medal that day. And it was a great feeling. And you also coached in the WNBA, and these are these are athletes that you know grew up with Title IX, had gotten to a point where they didn't really realize that that women weren't allowed to play sports for a long time. You know that was an interesting time period because you've got these women playing in the WNBA, a league that just started in '97. So. They've only been in there a few years. These Olympians had only been in there, what, about three years. But they had been playing, you know, through high school, through grassroots, through, you know, and all that. So, But now this league was something new to them. And what's interesting to me about that is now kids today, they grew up starting to play soccer or basketball or whatever at three years old. All they know is women's sports. All they know is women's professional sports. It's really just the coolest thought when you think about it. Everyone, male or female, has the equal opportunity to be whatever they want to be, whether it's in sports or, or professionally. For the most part, they can dream to be and do whatever they want or whoever they want to be and do whatever they want to do. And it's really rewarding to think back on when it wasn't that way and now that it is that way. It's really rewarding to be able to have those opportunities. And we're we're asking everybody to kind of fill in the blank on a statement. If not for Title IX, then... <laughs> well, for me, if not for Title IX, I would not be coaching because I truly believe that there just wouldn't be the opportunity that there is for me and so many other women coaches. So I would be doing something else. I don't, I don't know what that, that is because I've wanted to be a coach for so incredibly long. Even when there weren't a lot of female coaches to emulate, I just always wanted to be a coach once I started playing the sport of basketball and, and having female role models. So I have no idea what I would be doing if I weren't a coach, to tell you the truth. Is there anything else that you think is important to convey about Title IX? Yeah, I think the most important thing to understand about Title IX is that it, it's unfinished business. We are not in full compliance of that bill. And it definitely changed the landscape for females to play sports and to have other great educational opportunities, to have equal opportunities with men. But we are not fully engaged in um, lawfully carrying that bill out. Universities scoot by it, schools scoot by it, it limits, it continues to limit female opportunities. So I think we need to understand that there's still a fight ahead and there's still governance ahead that needs to make sure that everyone is in compliance and that these opportunities are fair between men and women. Yeah, and that, that the gains are not lost, too. That's, that's another, uh, that's another yeah. part of it, too, really. Yeah, there's still a fight ahead. We still have to carry the torch for it. We still have to 
use our voices to support it and to continue to push forward on equality for both sexes. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Nine for Title IX series, featuring Coach Nell Fortner on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Hampton in Waco. Next week, we will conclude this series with Dr. Donna Lopiano. That episode will be released on June 23rd on the 50th anniversary of the date Title IX was signed into law. Please tell your friends about our Nine for Title IX series and the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. We invite you to visit the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in Waco, and when you do, book your stay at the Hampton in Waco.